0: Inside Books with Breeda Brown.
1: Welcome to Inside Books, a programme about the magical world of writing. I'm Brida Brown, and in each episode of Inside Books, we chat to people associated with the world of books, including well-known authors, publishers, editors, agents, critics, booksellers and more. You'll find Inside Books on all audio platforms, and our Twitter handle is at Inside Books IRE, where you'll also find lots of other interesting books news. My guest today is the wonderful Patricia Scanlon, the absolute queen of Irish contemporary fiction. She's written dozens of novels, starting in 1990 with *City Girls*, followed by other titles you'll recognise such as *Apartment 3B*, *Finishing Touches*, *Foreign Affairs*, *Mirror Mirror*, *Promises, Promises*, and *Francesca's Party*—all bestsellers—and I've read them all. Her latest book is called *The Liberation of Bridget Dunn*, a sweeping contemporary saga involving three generations of the one family, as well as novels. Patricia has also written short stories, poems and edited anthologies. And she's the creator of the Open Door series, an initiative for adult literacy that she runs with the publisher New Island. Patricia, we're delighted to have you on Inside Books. And I hope we didn't interrupt now any important writing that was going on today.
0: Indeed, you didn't, it. <laughs> Um I haven't written. I think the last thing I wrote creatively was um, last year and it was my short story for the Open Door Literacy mm-hmm. series. Um, because I just haven't been able to write. Really? Is is that pandemic related? Yeah, and I think it's just a weariness and perhaps the fact that I had a hip replacement before Christmas and an knee replacement a month ago. So um, I've sort of been in the wars a bit, so that's my excuse. (laughs) Um, And, you know, it's so interesting because for years I would have longed to have just had time to myself just to be able to be on my own to write um, you know, we all have family commitments and things. And um, what a gift it would have been just to be able to do that. And now I have the gift and I'm not actually writing. But what I'm going to do is um, a lot of my readers have been asking me for um, a follow up of City Girl. Really? And listening to, Ke- uh, I don't know if you've heard Kira Garity and... Uh, Caroline Grace Cassidy's podcast uh, "Bookbirds." We have, and they uh, their first one they did "City Girl," and which was published actually in 1990. It was 30 years this year, and um, they were re- they read they were discussing it as 40 year olds who had read it as 20 year olds. As did I. And, yeah, it was just so interesting to listen to, and I didn't realise. At one level, how dark it was and that the topics that I kind of covered, you know, um, like um, the grooming um, um Devon was groomed. Um, she has her Me Too moment. Um, uh, Caroline had um, the abusive marriage um there was alcoholism. Um, there was just so much darkness in it, as well as the lightness and the, you know, the kind of modern um career uh going ahead women and so I thought yeah there's a lot I could um a lot I could get into a lot of meaty stuff but part of me is kind of nearly afraid to go back and read them because they were written you know so far back and City Girl was the first one and obviously I've learned a lot in my career as a writer and I'm going to say to myself oh gosh what's it like Will I see awful things that go cringe um but i will i uh, you know assume, i'm kind of on the heavy drugs a little bit at the minute with the with the knee so when i'm more compass mentis i'm going to read them and do the chronological order stuff which is what i absolutely hate writing um because i'm no good at maths and i hate the actual drudgery of sitting down and doing their ages and doing um that kind of timeline thing and when I when I started writing Bridget, I got into it so quickly um, that I just kept going. I said, "Yeah, I'll deal with the timeline later. I'll deal with the timeline later." And I knew the moment of reckoning was coming. <laughs> so um, my niece is—I was actually in Wicklow. My niece, uh, she's um, uh, eighteen, and I said, "You're great, maths." I said, "Bridget is eighty. Her sister's a few years younger." I said, "Work out a timeline for me." And um, I said, um, and Keelan is the youngest. She's in her 30s. So anyway, she went off and she did the timeline and she came back and she says, well, there's an interesting little um, snippet here that I think your readers might be fascinated by, that you have a three-year-old nun discussing Humanae (laughs) Vitae. (laughs) So... um, I mean, if the timeline to Bridget was a bit complicated, can you imagine the timeline to my um, three women? Absolutely. Back in the 90s, in the 80s, really, because I started writing City Girl in in, in the late 80s. And have you really
1: never gone back and read them in the meantime out of just pure curiosity to see how your writing had progressed?
0: Where would you get time to? (laughs) I honestly, seriously, I don't even get time to read other people's books sometimes. You know, actually, I am reading a bit more now and I'm doing reviews for the big issues. So that's great. Um, I've done a, a good bit of reading. but um when I'm writing, I don't like to read fiction, not because I'm afraid I'll, you know, be influenced by anything I've read or i, I just kind of feel um it's guilt. I mm. sh- if I'm reading somebody's book, I should be writing my own. So I kind of tend to read nonfiction uh, when when I, when I'm writing. Um, but really, I mean, when I started to write, I was a great reader. But when I started to write, um, it was a luxury kind of that when you start working for yourself from home, um, the guilt doesn't leave you.
1: No. No.
0: And I mean, it, I can read outside, no problem. And I've actually read outside the sunny days that we had here. But if I was in the house here to pick up a book and start reading, I mean, I'm so completely aware of the state of my office, the state of my wardrobes, <laughs> the drawers that needs tidy and the, you know, you know the usual stuff. Absolutely. So, but if the minute I stand, it's only a foot out the door, and in my head I'm free, and I will read for hours outside. It's- so I'm hoping. Do you remember the summer we had last year? It was fabulous. The early summer, in the pandemic. So that's where I like to do my reading.
1: It's a it's a psychological thing, I think. And in terms yeah.
0: of
1: of city girl, then well, no, I'm delighted to hear we're going to have a, a potentially another one. So have you have you thought about the plot? What way it might work? Well, I do, know, yes, I think,
0: I mean, it will be, they they all keep in touch because they're they're great friends. But like all of us um, great friends, it's trying to make time to be together and meet up together. I have um, um, my sister-in-law, my sister and another dear friend. We try and, and get away every year for a couple of days. And uh, some years it doesn't happen because we just can't all fit in together. And uh, so I'm going to have the girls at a funeral. I won't say who's funeral. And they just decide that that's going to be the opening um, scene. Um, look, we have to get away. We need to get time together. And so off they go. I'm going to pick a luxury spa somewhere and send them off. And um, and then there'll be flashbacks then. You know, I think that's probably the way I'll do it. And I think I will probably have Devlin looking for her uh, her birth mother because she was adopted. Um, that would be one thing. I think Maggie will have a blended family uh, that don't get on. Mm-hmm. And um, so that's kind of contemporary enough. I'm Caroline. I'm not sure yet. I'll have to read, you know, something will hit me when I think when I when I read them uh, again.
1: So I'm kind of looking forward to it in a way. Well, I think you'll have everybody scrambling now to get their hands on the three books again to make sure they've read them all before, before the new one comes out. And I mean, it feels like it's full circle. As you said, it's 30 years. You're in the publishing industry. 30 years. We're not we're not going to date or age anybody here now at all today. But, you know, you've such a knowledge, I suppose, in terms of how the industry has progressed over over those three decades. I mean, looking back. Would you say
0: progressed? Maybe I don't know. Well,
1: changed. Changed. Yeah, exactly. It surely has. And what, what what's your view on that? How how do you feel it has developed?
0: Well, I think it's obviously much more commercialised. It's much more of an industry. Authors are much more of a commodity. Books are called units, right? Uh, you know, it's 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 very different from when I started. I mean, it was all about the book, and um, you know, books really meant something, just not a unit on a shelf. Um, like it's it's so different now. When I started, publishers didn't have to pay um bookshops to um display their books. So now you have all kinds of promotions. And it's really only the brand authors in a way that'll get the promotions because you know authors who are coming up haven't enough sales to justify it. And I, I think it's very hard for authors now who are starting out. I feel very sorry for them. Um like I, I, there was one particular author I remember, and she was really good, and I thought she had a good, you know, started off very well. But then the following year, I saw her in between sandwiched in between two brand authors, really well-known authors, whose books were selling for nine ninety-nine. Hers was selling for sixteen ninety-nine. Mm. So you've all those kind of um, things to kind of consider. Um, also, you know, online um reading, uh like the Kindles and the Amazons and all of that kind of stuff. While it's great and it spreads your your name, um people now expect to be able to buy books very cheaply. And um that's hard on publishers um who are trying to make a profit. Um so that I worked I worked for a year with um a publishing company. I was a, a consultant editor and um I would see fabulous manuscripts, really good stories, different, you know, to to, um, a lot of the the manuscripts I was reading. But at the sales, how how do we um, categorize this? You know, how would we sell it? Whereas when I came in to publishing, everything had a chance. Every book had a chance. Um, So I think from that point of view, it is very difficult for authors coming in uh, to the industry um having said that i mean your books are so much more available worldwide to people through amazon and 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 the ebook um readers Um, so I suppose it swings and roundabouts yeah and I suppose as Um, well
1: I mean what publishers and and booksellers I suppose would say as well is that they have to be able to be more commercial in a bit to sort of make a living but what you're saying is that shouldn't be to the the detriment of of the creative side and the author being paid as well you know
0: yeah yeah I I just think it's much harder for an author to break in now and I think you know that the days of getting the really big advance that you could um kind of afford to give up the day job now and I mean in fairness I know myself uh, I got 150 punts. that was my first <laughs> advance and I couldn't give up the day job and I know like Sheila Flanagan um, and Kathy Kelly worked for a couple of years as well we all worked um, and did our writing at night and I used to have to take annual leave to do my um, publicity tours you know and um, and I think sort of there is an expectation sometimes of of some authors coming in. Oh, well, I'll get a big advance and I'll be able to give up the day job. Um, that day is gone, I think, you and know.
1: How many books in were you then when you were able to do that?
0: Um, I did it on my third book, uh, Finishing Touches,
1: mm-hmm.
0: uh, because I used to work shifts as well. And I just I, there were so many demands on me because City Girl had done so well. I mean, it had really taken off. Uh, it was uh, number one for six months. It, it, it the first week, it sold out, and they had to reprint. And and did you make so, money out of it? Not at the beginning, really. No, mm. I had to go to the UK. Right. You know, um, but um, so it was kind of a leap of faith taken because I remember the first payday um, when I had taken uh, the career break. And I didn't know how it was going to work out, you know. And um we used to get paid every second Thursday. And I remember that Thursday coming and there was no check in the post, you know, no check there. It was very nerve wracking. Um but um um, you know, it worked for me. Um and City, and, and my books did great, but it is a risk. Mm-hmm. And uh and it's hard. It's 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 hard work trying to focus on, on your book, I was doing like I was working in the libraries as a library assistant. Then I was appearing on the late late and uh, you know, giving speeches and talks at at, at, at um, events. And it was a huge, big massive change. Um, so I had I just knew that I couldn't keep up the pace. They wanted another book very quickly. Uh, because City Girl had done so well so I wrote Apartment 3B but it was it was, the pace was intense and I just knew I couldn't keep on I had to do one or the other um, I couldn't give my whole effort to, to writing while I was working in the libraries so I did take a leap of faith
1: And it's interesting what you're saying because the business side of writing a lot of people forget about that they focus more when they're starting off on the, on the creative side but it is like running a business and you really do have to get to grips with that. Did you you know you've you've said in the past you're you're not great at maths and that whole whole side of oh. things, but you, you had to get to, to grips with it, I assume.
0: When you do, um I had to hire an accountant um to do tax and stuff. Um it's a different kettle of fish when you're working for yourself. It's you know, I mean, you don't get sick pay. Um I don't get any benefits uh, at all. Um, if you take your holidays, you take them at your own expense. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, I've been off work for a year now. It would be at my own expense, mm-hmm. um, having the surgeries and things. Um, so there's a lot to be said for the permanent and pensionable job. But of course, those days are really gone now too. Yeah. Um, but for me, I just, the creative side was pushing, pushing, pushing. And one thing I never did was whatever advance i got i never spent it until i had my book written right um just well i just kind of felt just say something happens that i don't deliver um i want to have that money to be able to give back i was very cautious i suppose um so that was what that's a piece of advice i'd give to any writer out there mm. don't spend your advance until you've delivered your book and um so that was the way i, I mean i didn't i didn't have a washing machine until my i remember Getting my first washing machine. <laughs> and my sister and her husband were living with me. And um I remember we used to have to do our clothes in the bath and 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 uh, Henry's jeans would be in the bath. And I just remember the three of us standing looking at the spin. So I mean how glamorous know, it now. <laughs> no. It but, but it was so exciting. I mean, we'll never have to, you know, wince, you know, we used to have to squeeze your clothes out. And um so that was the way it was with me. I remember be doing an interview with a, a journalist once in my house. And she says, oh, you must be making an awful lot of money. And I had moved into the house. I couldn't afford to do anything with it. And uh, so there's this carpet on the floor that looked like somebody had spilled a can of paint and it just scattered all over the place. And I just looked at her and I said, does this look like a house of somebody who's very wealthy? And she went oh <laughs> and a lot of people you see think that you get the full price of the book
1: mm-hmm.
0: people are convinced of it they don't realize that it's all about uh, discounts and um you know you get your percentage but uh, oh yeah my i mean i had a, a relative and he was convinced that i got paid the 13.99 or whatever it was you know so he in my head like i was in his head i was absolutely loaded
1: Rolling. I couldn't it.
0: understand why I was still driving a second hand car that was falling <laughs> to bits, you know.
1: And did you get an agent then over the years to help you or did you do it, yeah, do it your own way? I
0: did. Uh, no, you really did need an agent. You do need an agent to. Um, OK, my first contracts, I think were only two pages, two or three pages. I mean, they're, they're about 12 pages now. And um, there's so many, com- you know, it's it's a complicated thing, uh, which your foreign rights and your ebooks and your discounts here and your discounts there. Um, so it is quite complicated. Um, and unfortunately, nowadays, people are more inclined, publishers are more inclined to read manuscripts that are sent to them by agents rather than uh, cold. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the, the slush pile is is nearly a thing. Some people do have a slush pile as they call it um because i was right off a slush pile you know um so it's hard so it's a bit of a catch-22 because if you haven't got an agent you don't have as much of a chance of getting published but getting an agent is very difficult and i do remember Mae binchy saying she was really kind um, i hadn't got an agent for the first two And um, she was giving a talk in um, Kuluk Library. And I was so impressed that a woman of her success and fame and stature would, you know, come to a local um, writing group. And I couldn't get, I couldn't swap my afternoon shift. So I took the afternoon off and I went to hear her. And I was really shy going up to her, you know, and she was just lovely. And I told her I had signed a contract and I was getting published. And I said, this is marvellous. And she was always so generous And she said to me, now you need an agent. Have you an agent? And I said, no. And she said, well, choosing an agent is like choosing a husband. Difficult and individual. <laughs> and, yeah, and, she was, right. and she gave me the name of three agents, uh, including her own. You know, she was she was generous. And I remember thinking, if I ever get published, I'm going to try and help the way she helped me. Mm-hmm. So may have set the bar high, you know. Um, But yeah, it was great Uh, having an agent made all the difference Mm -hmm. because actually um, the UK publisher that bought me, I had sent it to them and they had sent it back and then they had to pay a lot of money to get it. So that was great. So having an agent, it just takes kind of all that stress, even though on your plate, writing your book without trying to kind of work out contracts and all all that kind of stuff. Um, so if you can get an agent, yeah, it's great. But getting one is hard enough too.
1: And as you said, it's trying to find one that you have a good relationship with. But that's similar with publishers as well. And I know you've moved yes. to publishers over the years. And, editors, yeah. and, and I was about to say with editors, because, you know, you've you've. You know, you still need to work with with all of these individuals. You're now on on book number 1920, you know, and I'm sure you've an instinct as well involved in what you're doing now at this point, because you know what you're at. So uh, does it get easier or harder to take advice from all these people or do you push back a little bit more? Oh, I don't always take
0: advice. Um, But you see, the thing is, I don't have the same editors. Um, Your editors, you might have them for a couple of years then they leave. And you, you get a new editor. So, you you know, I've had the experience of working with different editors. Um, um, if I'm very determined, if, if there's something that I don't agree with and I'm very strong about it, we'll, we'll talk about it. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's fine. Uh, because like with Bridget Dunn, um, my editor didn't understand the background, the tapestry of, you know, church and state in Ireland and how kind of rigid it was and mm-hmm. how suppressed women were. And so she wanted to cut some stuff. And I said, no, I, I'm leaving that in because people have to understand what it was like. So, you know, that it, it's give and take, but certainly, yes, you can't see the wood for the trees and the editor has a, a different focus. And uh, I've got some really good editorial advice, sound editorial advice, Um, so uh, you know I've never worked with an editor I didn't like thank God Um, I was very lucky in that regard and I would consider my editors you know friends nearly you know Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Um, but it's difficult and every editor has a different kind of point of view as well Um, but they all bring their gift to the table I bring mine and, and we work on it and then when you present, then you have your sales and marketing team. So they have their views as well. So, I mean, if you're going to sit and be rigid about things like titles and things, you know, um, you're not going to go very far. You're going to be unhappy. Mm-hmm. Um, it's I've I've always been looking that it's a lot of teamwork. Um, if you see yourself as part of a team, you know, but if, but, You're the you're you're the author and you're in charge and it's your book. So if there's something that you really firmly believe in, argue your point, I would say. But um, I do remember Dermot Bulger gave great advice as we were doing an event uh, together and um, he told the audience, write with fire in your veins, edit with ice. And that is so true, Mm -hmm. you know, and And that's what a good editor will do
1: for you. And as you said, in terms of it's everybody working together to make the end book the best it possibly yes, can be. That's the thing. The you can
0: see it like that, not as that they're the opposition and, oh, they don't like this, they don't like that. See it as teamwork.
1: Yeah. Um, uh, everybody totally. has the same goal. And even you're saying there about, you know, the the competition within the, I suppose, within the industry, because, again, when you started you know as we said three decades ago mm. there weren't that many there was Maeve Binchy. No yeah um, Maeve was the only one who was writing commercial fiction totally and and Probably quite 50. and different to you as well in that you know she was more rural based sort of 1950s, yes, 60s and in the 50s and 60s And then suddenly in you come with your amazing contemporary stories that were appealing yes. to to people like me as i said at that age then we had a quick follow on them with the Brilliant, Sheila Flanagan and Kathy Kelly, Marion Keys, yeah. all of those. It was great. A it was wave fantastic. of
0: Irish women writers spread their talent across mm-hmm. the world and opened doors in every country. And the thing about us is that we write about the universal experience, as did Maeve. It doesn't matter where you're living or where your book is set; the experiences are universal, and that's why. That, and, and I think there's a warmth in Irish writing. Um, an intimacy that kind of um, touches the reader and brings draws them in. And that's why we've been so successful. Um, but we write, we, and, you know, commercial fiction is kind of snared up, uh, upon, but like we're writing about life as it's happening, every aspect of life, all the difficulties, all the joys as well. But I mean, you know, Amelda um, in, in, in uh, The Liberation of Bridget Dunn was left to look after her parents. Uh, aging parents, and and had to rear her own family. and was very, very resentful. And a lot of people would understand that, um, would identify with that. Um, um, you know, uh, marriage breakups, the stress of marriage. Um, it's not all a bed of roses. And uh, so people, I mean, I get amazing letters. I wrote about uh, um, a woman who had Alzheimer's in finishing touches. And the strain of of minding that, that woman and, you know, the stress it put on the family, trying to do the best for her, trying to do the best for themselves. Mm. I got such a huge post bag from it. You know, you don't actually realize until a reader says to you, oh, I really understood what was going on there because I've been through it myself. You forget, you're writing in your little bubble. You're isolated. Like even yesterday when I went to um, have my checkup, uh in the South Sports Clinic, and I was in the lift, and this lady came, was standing. I went in, she was out there already. She says, "Oh, it's you." <laughs> and the two of us had our masks on, and I thought she thought I was somebody oh, that she knew. Yeah. And I said, "Oh, do we know each other?" And she says, "No," she says, "You're Patricia Scanlon." <laughs> and I said, "Oh, yeah." And she said, "I said, how did you know?" She says, "I recognised you." And she said, "Thank you, thank you, thank you. Your books have brought me such pleasure. And you forget, as a writer." Um, the people are actually out there reading your book because you're there tip-tapping away, you know, creating. And, uh, and and it's only when people say to you, oh, yeah,
1: you know, and that I, you realise, yeah. And I imagine it's still and always will be lovely to hear that.
0: Oh, that is such a thrill. I mean, I have to say I have the most beautiful people on Facebook um, that follow me. And whenever I put a a post about writing or, or books that's when i get the biggest response but they're so they've i've had very loyal readers for the whole of my 30 years you know um writing and they're so supportive and it is something special to know that you have taken somebody out of their own problems or world or troubles for an hour or two hours while they're reading your book and giving them pleasure that's great
1: and in terms of those loyal readers which you have, is there much pressure then to attract new readers, maybe that that younger audience as well and try and bring them with you?
0: Yeah, this I suppose this is a thing now, but I was always very lucky. Like my age group would go from especially when City Girl came out, it was 13 to 90. I have a very broad range and a lot of my readers who came who who read City Girl books, the earlier books are giving them to their daughters. Mm-hmm. And now they're enjoying them and uh, buying four and five and six on Kindle, you know. Um, so that's great. The backlist is, is doing very well. So, um, yeah, I suppose, too, in terms of the covers, uh, the publishers will kind of um, do younger looking covers, especially for the paperback mm-hmm. uh, edition. So you just have to let them kind of the, the sales and marketing know their job, you know. Um, so, yeah, I guess, um, in fact, um, my niece was quite astonished uh, at how much she enjoyed the liberation of Bridget really? Dunn. Really? Yeah, yeah.
1: Again, because I was going to say, you know, because you probably need to make sure, again, the plots are fresh and contemporary. But with the liberation of Bridget Dunn, you are able to, to to mix what went mi- on yes. previously yeah. with the station like had, church and what's Marie going on Claire today.
0: And, and the breakup uh, mm-hmm. with the partner. Um, so she was kind of the younger generation that younger women would identify with. But it didn't really matter, um, I think, because there was so much going on that I just got so many comments about um, about the family life and, and, and um, the rows and uh, the repercussions. That's and reality, though.
1: That is real yeah, life.
0: Yeah, yeah, that, that's real life. And um, so I do try kind of to, to write about contemporary what's happening in, in people's real lives. Um, and uh, yeah, actually uh, I was interviewed there um, a couple of weeks ago and the journalist said to me, Oh, I was delighted. Uh, you put something in Toronto. Um, she says, I'm from Toronto. <laughs> I had to say to her, well, actually I've never been to Toronto. Um <laughs> I was able to. Go, this is the great thing about Google, absolutely, and Google Maps. You know, I was able to actually uh, see the street I was writing about, and see the rest. I had a, a, the restaurant where uh, Mary Claire breaks up with her boyfriend. Um, I was able to see the front of it. I was able to see the menu that they served, uh, so it was very authentic. And uh, that—that's the great thing. Like when I think of the old days, I know um, I kept all my cosmos and my woman's ways and I'd, I'd keep a couple of them just so I could go back to see what happened and such and such, you know, what were the fashions, What what was going on. So I have to say Google hasn't. Well, it has enhanced in one way, but it's an awful um,
1: distraction in 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 another way. Exactly. Because you were talking about social media there and you're on Facebook and you also you joined Twitter as well recently. And again, did you feel under pressure to get onto social media to maybe uh, bring in your readers a bit closer and to get some of that younger audience?
0: No. Uh, Well, actually, it's in your contracts now that you have to engage. Yeah. Right um but what, what facebook yes i did i was dragged onto facebook a friend of mine he set it up and he was me for about six months right. and then i said oh god i better because people were being really nice and i said he said something like ah bless and i went oh god no i better do it myself <laughs> yeah. so that was i can't remember i can't remember how many years ago that was but i had refrained from twitter um but I was kind of very involved in looking after my dad for the last couple of years of his life and it was kind of time consuming you know mm-hmm, yeah. and um I would spend a lot of time up with him cooking him a dinner and mm-hmm. my sister and myself we we kept daddy at home until he was 90 when he got very ill
1: mm.
0: and uh, and we are really happy to do it but I never had to I used to have to write at night then you know and so I didn't have time for Twitter so anyway God rest daddy, he, he died and um, I'd had a surgery and I was on painkillers and I was lying in bed kind of feeling dope, you know, that high dopey mm-hmm. feeling. And um, I was following the friend on Twitter. I would just put in his name on Twitter and who had set me up on Facebook and uh, and I said, join. And I went, oh, OK, well, I have time <laughs> now. OK, I will. So I don't know how I managed it, but I did join and I joined Instagram on the same day and I've never found my Instagram account since <laughs> Um but I joined the Twitter anyway and it's I have to say it's its a terrible distraction.
1: It can be. It, it? yeah.
0: Oh it's terrible. I mean you go down the rabbit holes and my reading has suffered uh, like I mean I'd love to come off it in one mm-hmm. way and also um, there was a survey done, Twitter is not the place um to um entice readers to reading your books. It's Facebook. Mm-hmm. Um, this um publishing agencies worked out that it's facebook is where where the most interactions are at. So I would never I mean, I hate actually putting stuff up. When the book comes out, you know, and you have to put up a few reviews and things, you mm. feel a bit mortified to be
1: honest. I know, but needs must, needs must. <laughs> but then remember, you have your fans as well who want to hear uh, from you and want to hear what what you're you're working on. And actually, going back to what we were talking about earlier about um, you know how when when you were starting out, there weren't that many. Irish authors now, and female mm. particularly. I mean, we have just such a plethora of brilliant. Oh yeah. And now this
0: new wave, like Sally Rooney, um, um, Nisha Dolan, Nisha Dolan. Like this, just this whole new wave as well.
1: Absolutely, uh, and and, the, and
0: the millennials
1: and the crime writers. Let's not oh, forget massive. them. You know, which and a, a lot massive. of females in in that sense as well. So I mean, oh, you. I think
0: the Irish publishing and um, pub. It, uh, Irish, you know, we publish. Or we we punch way above our weight. Mm-hmm. It's
1: fantastic.
0: And it's great to see that success. It's great to see all this creativity pouring out of people and enhancing people's lives. Um, I think it's something we should be very proud of.
1: And I love the support of Nature, as I say, of the industry. You mentioned earlier on about, you know, sometimes they can be, you know, other writers are seen as competitors. Yes, of course they are. But, you know, yeah. like we're all we're all in this together. But we know what it's like. We know exactly, you know,
0: um, I'm really good friends with a good few authors. And I mean, I've been on holidays with some of them um, that they would be dear friends. And um, like, we know what it's like, the background mm-hmm. of it. It's not all glam and no. glitz and it's, you know, so when we meet, meet up together, <laughs> we can just know what it's like. And you're delighted for somebody because it is hard. And, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I mean, you have your ambition. I find as I get older, I'm not as ambitious. Maybe I shouldn't say that.
1: No, um, but if you, if you, you know, you started out, you've you've done it, as you say. But yeah, I'm delighted. Yes, I did really still. well.
0: All the books were number one bestsellers. What more could an author want? Mm-hmm. Um, I've sold millions. What more could an author want? Um, and I'm happy to help p- anybody I can help. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I've I've been very lucky that I placed some of those great authors with publishers Mm -hmm. um and I did what Maeve did and that was she as I said earlier she set the bar high Mm -hmm. you know so why why would you be nasty and mean-spirited that only comes back to you anyway and in terms
1: of ambitions did any of the books ever make it to a film set or a tv show or or any of that
0: um yeah there's discussions Mm -hmm. um there's Various discussions and the discussions now.
1: I'd say um, now, City Girl could uh, could that would sounds like a yeah. great TV series as, to me.
0: As Maeve very wisely said, you don't believe it until you actually see the cameras rolling. Correct. You know, so if it happens, it happens, and it'll be brilliant. But like I'm not. Sitting panicking. <laughs> you know? You've enough you enough to be getting on with, and you've a book to I go do. and write,
1: in fact. Exactly. I do. So with the new City Girl, well, we'll call it the new City Girl, we don't know what it's going to be called yet. Um, I think
0: I might call it um City Girls Reunion or the City Girl Reunion or something with reunion in it anyway, and it has to be it has to have City. See, I've written City Girls, City Woman and City Lives.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So um yeah, it'll be
1: something reunion-y anyway. I think I'm sure if the Inside Books listeners have any ideas now, they can they can tweet you, which is, yeah. is which yeah. is not a I can problem. I've at the service one of the days. <laughs> exactly, and when so you're that's going to be next when you're when you're ready for it. So that will be next yeah. year probably before we're, we we see it or get our hands on oh, it. Oh no, it? it
0: won't be next year even before you see it. No. Can we not put pressure on
1: you to do it quicker? No, <laughs> no, no, no,
0: no. I no. I, to be honest with you, I'm I'm fairly worn out at the minute. It's right. been a rough couple of months Mm -hmm. um and i just have to kind of i just have to give myself the time now to recover from all of that stuff and and get back to where i was so that i wanted that i'm not in pain when i'm writing that i want to do it and that i I want to enjoy it absolutely it's it's, you know i really if i feel if i you know if you're enjoying what you're writing your readers enjoy it and there's nothing worse than tired writing
1: There you go. On that note, I think a lot of people will will take a lot from what you've said there, Patricia Scanlon. Thank you for joining us here on Inside Books. And you'll find The Liberation of Bridget Dunn online or at your local bookshop now. The next episode of Inside Books will be out soon. Just keep an eye on our Twitter feed for details. The handle is at InsideBooks E. If you want to hear other episodes, just search for us on the various audio platforms. And don't forget to leave us a rating or review. I'm Brida Brown. Until next time, keep reading. Inside Books is a unique media production.